And I went, no, this is not going to work. Oh, you were a fembot. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Your host for this episode, Rich Warfield. Loud Pipes, episode 204. Boomer's back in the house tonight. We're following up on our med kits. We're going to talk about cold weather riding. And after the pivot, we'll talk about cold weather carry. So Chad, aka Boomer, what's going on, buddy? Not much. What's going on with you, Reg? Did you have a good weekend? Not bad. We uh, rounded out some Christmas cookies tonight. We have traditionally done a visit to Carowinds around the holiday season, and they have these giant cookies that you can decorate. Mm-hmm. So the, the kids love that. And we haven't just haven't made it over this year. So Cameron made cookies earlier today, and we decorated them, had some eggnog. Fantastic. Sounds great. So it's not eggnog, but I see you have a bottle over there. What What is it? So I went with something different. And that's unusual for me, but I'm actually having a Shiner holiday cheer. Nice. What, so what style is that then? I have no idea. I've never had this before. I took a sip of it just before we started recording. (laughs) So if I vomited, we wouldn't catch that. But now does that have like some spices in it or is it just like a winter lager? Like what's the deal? Maybe a little description. No. Yeah, there is not one on here. <laughs> it just says, oh, good luck. Wait. It just says, oh, it's <laughs> peaches and pecans. There you it's go. an ale. <laughs> Brewed with peaches and pecans. Which is better than good luck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, well. <clears throat> now that I know about the peaches, I mean... I'm not quite sure on this one, man. <laughs> well, you didn't throw up, so you can't. I didn't throw up, so let's just go ahead and roll with it. What are you drinking? All right. I have a little more of a description on the back of mine. This is from Foothills Brewing. This is their Hoppy Yum IPA. So this one says, Choice malts lend a surprisingly sweet base to copious additions of Simcoe hops. Great aroma, superior taste, clean, dry finish. 6.25%. Of course, it is. In a can. Good out. Mm-mm-mm. In the koozie you go. All right, my friend. So we spent, I guess it's been a couple of episodes. So you and I talked a while back about medical kits and gear and stuff you might want to carry along with the scout rifle and some other things a couple shows ago. And since we last talked, I had brother bacon on, we talked about trials, had a show with, with Hogan and that's yet to be posted. So we're recording here again. This will probably go out sometime towards the first of the year. So here we are a couple days before Christmas and we're going to follow up on the starting with the med kit. So how, how did it work out for you? We'll start on your side. We'll start. Okay. So what I found was we started talking about how you were going to carry it. We'll go from there. 
we kind of went back and forth on was it going a fanny pack? Was it going in a uh, thigh bag? Right, a yeah. thigh bag. You know, like a drop leg or. Were we going with a uh, with a chest rig? And we started talking about all the things we were putting in them. And we were putting in burn dressing, and then we were putting in um, Israeli bandage, tourniquets, space blanket, you know, an emergency whistle. Um, but the- all of all of the stuff that you would normally find in like an infantryman's IFAC, right? Except- minus a yeah, minus like the shears and stuff. So the idea is you may have a full IFAC on your bike somewhere, but this would be on your person. If you got separated from the bike and you might need to take care of yourself, you're only going to have what's on on yourself. And I'm like patting my chest here because that's what we, we came to the realization that it's not a yeah, bag it, at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you can't put all of that stuff into a bag. Um, I went and bought one of those runners, uh, chest packs. Yeah. With the additional Molly gave it that, you know, kind of manly tactical look to it. And I went, we'll start there. (laughs) And I filled it up with an Israeli bandage and a tourniquet and a, uh, high fin chest seal. I went with, uh, some burn gel, the, the burn dressing. Yep basically put it all on. Then I went and put my motorcycle jacket on and I've got two jackets. I've got a leather one. That's kind of snug when I ride my super Hawk. And then I've got my more relaxed fit. That is my climb jacket. Right. I didn't send you the picture of my, the way I looked in the motorcycle in the, uh, the leather one. Hey, you sent me the more, was, the more adventure jacket and it still was a little, uh, yeah, that, unflattering the climb, yeah, to say the least. <laughs> For any of our listeners who want to know, I'm <laughs> I'm a fairly big dude. I've I've lift weights. I'm I'm in good shape, <laughs> and uh, um, it looked like I had a nice set of 36 or a, maybe a 38 D size chest when I was wearing my uh, leather jacket. <laughs> and I mean, the points of the uh, chest pack actually looked like they were nipples <laughs> that were pointing out. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And I went, no, this is not going to work. Oh, you were a fembot. <laughs> oh God, it was horrible. All that was missing was a wig and for me to shave my beard. And oh you know, man, that's it even, was horrible. That's even funnier than the picture you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't exist. I didn't take a picture. I just happened to look down and went, Hey, I can't see my toes because of my cans. What the F? Okay. This is not working. Now, anybody who's done product development and, you know, developing a new product, bringing stuff to market and everything else, they're going to go, yeah, this is, that's all normal. That's all part of it. This is all new territory for me. Yeah. Well, it starts with, you've got an idea and then you're like, okay, I can, I can make this work. And then your first try, you realize I'm on the wrong path. Yeah. This, this very seriously got scrapped. And we had to, we had to come up with some new ideas and some new things and changing stuff around. And it was a, it was a good time and it definitely gave us something to do for a couple of days. Well, yeah. And I'll, I'll share my, my funny part. Well, it's not really a funny part, but as we talked, I was using that vertex, uh, long walks, fanny pack or whatever the name of it is. 
a link in the last show notes, I believe. But the the thing I realize is kind of like you that none of this fits under the motorcycle jacket particularly well, and it's not the kind of thing you want hanging off to the side or off to the back. On the sport bike, ironically, the most comfortable position was to swing it around so the fanny pack is like in the small of your back because mm-hmm. you're you know you're slightly leaned forward anyway. I found that to be the best, but now I'm like, okay, this is not under the jacket anymore. If I go for a slide, this is the first thing to go. <laughs> like it's gone. That is that's exactly where we were at is if we put it on a chest rig, it's underneath the jacket, it's protected. Right. But now it looks like we have a set of cans and nobody is no one's gonna, gonna want to do this. Yeah. Nobody's wearing this. Well, no one. Even if you do wear it, you know, all, all kidding aside on the looks, does it become a hindrance to your mobility? Because that's it, we're going to talk it about wasn't cold riding in a second, but yeah, it, it wasn't for me. I actually put it on and rode around the block on the super Hawk and everything else. Yeah. And I didn't have any issues with it. Were your cans pressing it's, on the tank? Uh, the tank bag. Yeah. And they're <laughs> keeping me warm. <laughs> but it was, it was definitely, I, I got some looks. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I tried to hug the tank as much as possible while I was testing this. <laughs> oh, okay. But, but I got to a point where I was just, the carrier for it was becoming very questionable whether or not this was even feasible. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized we're all, all of us who wear gear, we're carrying the carrier on us. We're wearing it. If we can get a kit that's small enough that goes into something you may not know, Rich, did you know that women's motorcycle jackets, the front pockets are much smaller than men's? No, that's odd. Why would they, they be are. smaller? I don't know. I mean, the jackets uh, may is, be slightly smaller, but wouldn't you want the same capacity? <laughs> you would think, but... um uh, Jennifer and I were talking about this and she went and put her hands into my front pockets yeah. on my climb jacket. And she, well, she's like, you have her big exact, pockets. her exact words were, Oh F I could park a car in here. <laughs> and then I went and I grabbed a hold of her jacket and put my hand in there. And I was like, I can barely get my hand into your pocket. And she goes, that's all women's pockets. All women's pockets are smaller. And I went, huh? Okay. I think I've got an idea. And that is we need to scale things down. Okay. Instead of going big scale and keep thinking about everything that we need, we need to think about scaling everything down to let's fit this in a women's front pocket of her motorcycle jacket. Nice. Because if it fits there, it fits in you and I's pocket without a problem. Right. Now we don't have to worry about a carrier. We don't have to worry about any of it. It all goes into a pocket. Yep. And I, and I like that better. I'm sure you're gonna, you'll talk about the bag or method in a second, but after you and I talked, I think it was about a week ago or maybe it was earlier this week. I was 
kind of frustrated with the fanny pack. You had shared your mega cans photo, which we had a good <laughs> laugh about. Then I pivoted to just what you said. Oh, we have the carrier. It's the jacket. So mm-hmm. I grabbed my leather jacket that I wear most of the time. And I have another one that's nylon, but I don't wear that as often. And I looked on the inside of it and there were more pockets than I thought there was. There's a cell phone, like a kind of a cell phone style pocket on the left side. There's one on the right side that's twice as big. So I just split up everything that went into the fanny pack, put it in the jacket. So left side was like tourniquet, wound packing. Right side was the burn tech dressing. Um, what's the other thing? The chest seal, things like that. Space blanket, stuff that was flat, flat duct tape. So I, I've got to fit a whistle in there yet. As you and I talk, that's something you might want for yourself. And then the Israeli bandage. But yeah. Yeah. I, I just stuffed it in the pockets, but then I got thinking... Well, is that the best thing for this stuff? Like, you know, do you want those things to get punctured or torn or you probably want to just have it in a nice tidy little pouch? So we're working on that. Now, does that fit? You're holding up here a a little zippered case. It's a little zippered pouch that I found somewhere around the house. I have no idea what it went to. And it almost fits everything. Looks like a small, almost like a small pencil case, but like too small for pencils. Yeah. Um, think women's makeup case. Okay. But it's not that. Or money. Because it's eh, something. Coins. It's made by Iron Land. I don't know. Some pouch I found laying around the house. It says Iron Land on it. Okay. And it almost fits everything. And when I say almost, it's quite literally almost you can get the Israeli bandage in there, which by the way, if you switch from a six inch to a four inch Israeli bandage, it's a little bit smaller and you can fit it in the pouch. Yeah. See those things are fitted in the pouch. Yeah. But consider what they're doing and how you use it. Now, remember we talked about the whistle and was that really necessary? Think about that guy that was up on the dragon for five days, lost out in the woods. Yeah, I think they the whistle find. is definitely necessary. I, I think it is. I think the whistle is more necessary than a chest seal or burn. Yeah. I think the space blanket and the whistle, if, if you're talking about being by yourself and what mm-hmm. you might need and what you might actually be able to render to yourself, I think those two are really high on the list. So I actually got it down to five items okay, that fit into Jennifer's front pocket, you know, the front zippered pocket right there on the front yep. on a climb, whatever the women's mesh jacket is. Okay. okay. Four inch Israeli bandage, cat seven tourniquet, whistle, a roll of gauze, space blanket. Nice. Can you add some flat duct tape to that? You could, you have, there was still space. Gotcha. Well, and I just, I I never realized how different that was until I started buying some of the better kits that are out there and they all have that. They have a nice flat pack of duct tape and then 
it's like, yeah, I can't make that out of a roll of duct tape. Like this is a, this is a specialty item, but I think having something like that would be nice as well. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I think that would be a good addition. Now we bounced back and forth on coming up with a name for this. <laughs> and I really, I really like your idea and it, it come out to, it was called the risk. Yep. And it's the rider individual survival kit coming soon to loud pipes. You might be able to find it on the website <laughs> coming soon to shop at loudpipes.net. <laughs> Shoot us an email and we're actually going to be looking for people to test these. And I was thinking about it. You realize we know a lot of people in the motorcycle world that do a lot of really dumb shit. Okay, it's one way. Of I, I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean it as negative as that sounds, but goes with the territory. We have I get it. it. It comes with the it comes with the territory. We're all kind of a bunch of idiots on motorcycles, as I like to tell my wife. We're all just a bunch of idiots on motorcycles. <laughs> but you have Bacon who does trials and off road riding. Yeah, having some kind of a kit that he could stick in his pocket, in his pocket of his jacket. Yep. You have John, who's on the spider. Long distance, yep. Who's a long distance guy. You got Dangerous Dave. He's a Harley guy. I mean. Goes without saying. His, no, name, is, his name is Dangerous Dave for a reason. <laughs> that's right. And we love him. And we want to make sure he's safe. But that's what this comes down to. Is we want our friends, we want our family to be safe. These are all people who are our friends and our family. And we want them to be there when we have, you know, 10 year get togethers, whatever it is down the road. Yeah. You got, you got Zion, you know, he's, I don't think he owns a four door via, uh, a vehicle with doors. Oh, uh, he's, yeah, he's primarily motorcycle. Yeah. Even when there's ice on the road, he talks about how he's riding something like this. I mean, we've now given ourselves our test environment we now have our people that can test it yeah i like it i you know we probably just gave this idea to some you know a-hole who's listening to this and all of a sudden we're gonna see posted on their website you know what you owe us money if you do this <laughs> uh, what um Aside from the bag, what about just sealing it up in not mylar? What do they call that stuff? Like just like a like a vacuum seal bag, something like that. I don't have a vacuum. I don't have a vacuum sealer yet. Well, no, I'm I'm not talking about pr production. I'm talking about the concept. Like, do you yeah. think it would be better to have something like that where you just tear it open and you go for it, or do you are you thinking more like a reusable bag that you would consume and you would refill and well, if we could find one, if we could find one that we could use, that was the appropriate size. Yeah. Uh, I've actually looked at the Magpul DACA pouches. I've looked at, I like the idea of using a DACA pouch. Yeah. Those are neat. Be because you have a watertight hard sided case. I mean, they're, they're very, they're people use them, put their suppressors in. 
It's finding one that's the right size that could get everything in it and then go, still goes in a pocket. Yeah, I want to try. So with the pockets on my jacket, I'm going to try putting all four or now five, wait, five items or six? I think we're five. at six if we had duct tape. Oh, six. Yeah, it is six if you had the duct tape. Right? Tourniquet, four inches, rally bandage, uh, some kind gauze. of gauze, which most likely compressed or rolled. Pick, pick your, your preference. And then a space blanket and a whistle. Mm-hmm. And then I'm adding duct tape. Flat duct tape. Flat duct tape. Yeah. So I want to try and put that into a a bag. And I we have a vacuum sealer. It's just, it's a food saver. It's not like a, you know, commercial vacuum thing. But I want to try that. I want to try and vacuum seal it and see what that looks like in the same pouch where I put everything already, but I just separated the components and shoved them in the jacket. Mm-hmm. So can I get that in a, in a flat enough, portable enough pouch that still fits in the pocket without having it look like I have a mass on the side of my stomach, you know, where, where, where it's jammed into the pocket. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's going to be the next step. Yeah. The tourniquet is the tough one to get that because especially the, the ones from North American rescue, they have that plastic piece at the top with the Velcro. That's mm-hmm. kind of thick. Well, it is, but it's no thicker. If you take the four inches Israeli bandage and you take the tourniquet and you, and you take the tourniquet yeah. out, they're almost the same size. Yeah. That's a four inch little package right there. So I've got to add that. I don't have that bandage in the testing I've been doing. They're just really nice to have. Is that still in the category of self-administering? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can self-administer this. Okay. If you couldn't, I would have swapped it out for two or three more rolls of gauze. Yeah, I'm thinking two packages of the the compressed stuff is what... That's what I had shoved into my jacket. And that's why I added the tape, because then you could... I mean, obviously it's not medical tape, but it's multi-purpose. You could still use it for that. You know, Mm -hmm. press the gauze into, you know, if we're talking a huge puncture, like we talked on the last show, if you're in a situation where you need a tourniquet, the tourniquet's on and now you're packing and any tape is going to, is going to work. Yeah. And hopefully it goes without saying, but just a reminder that especially when we talk about medical and firearms and things like that, this is informational, right? (laughs) It's not a substitute for training or any of that stuff. I'd, I'm guilty. Consult your physician. Consult your <laughs> physician before doing. Well, I'm guilty of this. I, that's why I'm mentioning it. Is you know, you watch a lot of videos, you read some books, you absorb a lot of content, and then you start feeling like you know something. It's not a substitute for training, and that's that's kind of the point I want to drive home. Is carrying this stuff is great, but you should get some real training to go along with it yes definitely go get real training and if you're wondering about where you should go um if you're in texas you can look uh go to lone star medics i think is the name of the company it's owned by caleb Causey. he's a firearms guy he's uh stop the bleed stuff these are really 
really good guy. Okay. And he's not one of these people that's a keeper of knowledge. I can't stand those people. Right. Those are the ones who tell you, oh, no, you don't need to do that. You need to call EMS. You need to call the hospital. <laughs> you need to get a doctor. Well, why can't I learn how to do this? That's right. No, no, no. You don't even, don't even learn to do it. Yep. No. I guess it's not a keeper of knowledge. It's the guardian of knowledge. It's the guardian of knowledge kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just more of the mindset that if you prepare as if no one's coming for you and you're all by yourself, then, you know, when you get help, it's a bonus. Exactly. Cool. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to derail there. I just, as no, I th- that's not derailment. That's a really good idea because it's litigious. I probably said that wrong. Litigious, but yeah, I'm not even worried about that. It was just more as we get into stuff like this and like I said, and firearms as well, just want to make sure that people are doing the right thing, getting some proper training and then practice and all that stuff. Consulting their local laws, you know? Yeah. You have to know your, your local laws and things like that. So yeah, definitely shop around. This is more food for thought. I like it. Maybe more like a snack. (laughs) Right on. Well, cool. So anything more on the kit or you want to, you want to talk about cold weather ride? No, I'm, I think we pretty much have hammered this thing out for the time being. I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing our infomercial on the risk. Well, I guess the last thing is if, if you want to try one, you can hit us up at feedback at rdubstudios.com or you can go to loudpipes.net slash contact. And then this also covers my infomercial for the day week whatever yeah i guess a good time for that too programming note while we're here we're trying to release the shows at the same time every week whether it's weekly or bi-weekly doesn't matter tuesday at noon eastern will be the the release cadence so whether we record friday night like we are now or like i did with bacon or it's monday night with hogan like i did a week ago It'll come out Tuesday at noon. That's the plan. Sounds great. All right. Programming note over. Back to you. Cold weather riding. (laughs) Cold weather riding. So have you been out in the cold? Oh, wait. You don't have cold. Well, it's... We had 26 one morning. That's cold. That's cold. Yeah. But it... It's kind of like... We've probably talked about this before. Like... The nice thing about the weather here in the Carolinas is, yeah, you might get a 28 degree morning. It's always 50 at least, you know, it's 50 something before you get to the end of the day. And that's, that's rideable. Mm-hmm. You know, 50 is kind of my, my cutoff anyway. I think we've talked about the 50, 50 model where it's, I need 50 degrees and 50 miles an hour or less as a baseline. So when it's at 50 degrees, you're at 50 miles an hour or less. And then as the temperature increases, the speed can increase. Mm -hmm. But all depends on your gear and your bike and things like that. So no, haven't been out in the cold this year other than our trip to Maggie Valley, which got into the thirties at one point. Yeah, it did. So it was 31 degrees that morning. We were all supposed to go home. 
Yeah, that counts. It was 38 yeah. going across that one part of the, the Skyway. That must have felt, oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that sucked. Because inappropriate gear. Because John's like, oh, it's going to be like 44. We're going to be fine. Yeah. Maybe in Maggie Valley, but going across the mountain, it was 38. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a lot, but that was a lot. <laughs> My favorite part of that entire thing was, is the Harley dealership on the way. On the way. <laughs> on the way. <laughs> uh, it's on the way to Tennessee. Yeah, it's on the way. It's going to be the last thing we see before we, you know, head back. Awesome. Uh, that was hilarious. I mean, just talk about a, not like a communications faux pas, but just in his mind, it was on the way because it was on our continuous travel for the day before we ended up at home. But you and I were of the same mindset on the way. I was thinking, okay, in the next 40 minutes, maybe we're going to see it, you know, 30, 40 minutes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking on the way to the end of the skyway, <laughs> not at the end of the skyway. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that was, again, these are the things that just <laughs> make these trips so fun. And something we can rib John about for years. Yeah. That and his tech. It's like, John, why are we turning here? I don't know. It told me get off here. Yeah, but you've been down this road 50 times. You know we don't get off here. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, cold weather riding. I Probably the nicest upgrade I did was putting the heated grips on the bike a couple of years ago. That mm -hmm. was a nice little addition, I must say. And having good gloves is always important because the fingers are like the first thing to go. Having the heating grips, that's that was nice. That that extended the riding for me a little bit. So I know we've talked about it, and I John and I both have this thing that we should be sponsored by Climb mm -hmm. with all their climb gear and everything else. And, uh, I'm, I'm really unimpressed. Oh, oh, so I ordered, yeah, I ordered a set of, uh, they had them on sale and now I know why they were on sale, but they had a set of climb gloves, the like snowmobile gloves. Okay. And I went, well, I can get rid of those Harley gloves and ride you know, with all my climb gear and my double, you know, climb layers, you know, I've got yeah. my, you know, my base layer and then I've got the, the ski jacket that goes over top of that. And then I've got, you know, good to go. My climb, yeah. my climb jacket to go over top of that. And then climb gloves and, you know, yeah, I've been on to the whole climb fanboy kind of thing. And, I rode to work in, I would guess, 40 degree weather on the spider. Okay. Wearing the, wearing the climb stuff and no, not good. No, I'm back to wearing those Harley gloves. So I don't know what Harley has done with those gloves, but they're fantastic and I'll never get rid of them. I, I agree with you there that the year that John and I rode to Daytona, I think that was 16 or 17. It was insanely cold when we got down there and it was going to be colder coming home. 
And I stopped at a Harley dealer and bought a set of winter gloves and ironically paid a hundred dollars as you did years later, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they are warm. They are fantastic. When it's cold, that's the gloves I want to have on. And if it gets like in the 30, like low thirties, I can shove a liner in them and I can still ride. Like at that point, other parts of my body are going to be much colder than my fingers, which is, is saying a lot for a set of gloves. Well, that's, that's just the glove part. It gets better <laughs> or worse. So I wear the, the black, it's very thin. It's like thin. it's like climbs version of thin slit, I think. Okay. And I had that on, I had that on and the, uh, I was wearing then the, the outer layer and then I had my climb jacket on and again, cold. And I'm not going very far. Uh, my work is less than 10 miles away. And it's so, 40. It wasn't like below freezing. 40 degrees. It wasn't below freezing. It was 40 degrees and I was cold. Hmm. Okay. Well, I decide I'm going to change some stuff out. I grab just a, I've got a cheap Walmart $12 fleece. And I put that on and then I have one of those poncho liner hoodies. Yeah. That's made by uh Zero Foxtrot. Good stuff. Walmart fleece, Zero Foxtrot hoodie, climb outer jacket. It's a mesh jacket, so it's not like there's any kind of yeah. protection there. Harley Davidson gloves. And at 30 degrees when I rode to work, I was just fine. Nice. Well, you found your nice and old setup then. I found my cold setup and it just, you know, took a little while to figure that out. The mesh jacket or like my leather, which is perforated, is very difficult to warm up when you get down below 50. I have tried for me and I don't know about I don't know if you have a mesh jacket or no, it's not mesh jacket. Do you have one that's perforated? The perforated leather? I guess mesh is kind of like perforations, isn't it? I've got the that black one that I got for when I'm on the Superhawk is perforated leather. Okay. I just find when it gets cold, you can't get enough layers under the darn thing to stay warm. Nope. The, the only way I can use that jacket when it's, well, I, I survived at Maggie Valley, but beyond that, I have to put a shell over it. You got to put something over those holes and block that from getting in the jacket in the first place. So that's why I like to travel now with my rain jacket, even if I don't have the pants, because if it does get that cold, I can pop that over the leather and I'm good to go. And it doesn't get bulky and, you know, hampers your, your mobility. Cause that that's honestly, that's why I stop riding when it gets too cold. It's not that I don't like the cold and that I can't get warm enough. It's that by the time I get warm enough, I can't move, you know, like you just, you don't feel like you have enough mobility to be safe on the bike. So I I guess I'd rather just not ride that cold. And then the thought of hitting an ice patch is always in the back. Yeah. That, yeah, that one kind of bothers me, but when you're on the spider, Mm. that's not really an issue. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, I could see riding a spider year round in any weather. 
I mean, other than you, your traction is limited, you know, to one tire for, for forward motion, but riding in like, you know, a little bit of slop, I don't know. I'd try it. As much as you I'm would going to a car. Yeah. I mean, I've got the warm, I've got the cold gear set up. So why not give it a shot? Yeah. Now, are your feet covered on that spider? Or no, feet out but I the do. They are, they're actually, so it's a combination between the two. And they've got the cover of the tires and the fenders that go, that wrap around the front tires. But you're still getting wind flow between the tires and the frame. Okay. So you're not fully because I'm thinking like snowmobile, right? You put your feet down in those little footwells and your feet are not exposed to the elements. So you're really just worried about face and fingers on a snowmobile, especially if you got a good windshield. But on the spider, your if your feet and lower leg is still exposed, then you've still got that to do, to contend with similar to a you know, a touring motorcycle that has a good fairing on it. Your feet are still not covered. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. I, I, go ahead. No, I just I couldn't remember what it looked like. I haven't seen a. I've got some good pictures of it. I could take a look. Yeah, there you go. From the ride. So I don't know any other things you add for cold weather. Do you have a heated seat? On yours, heated grips, I, any of that stuff? I don't have heated seat or heated grips. Uh, I thought about putting them on there, and I've just now taken care of the battery issue. So we'll see. I've been very hesitant to do any of that kind of modifications to it. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of your bike now. There's, there's not much exposed there below the knee. No, not too much, but enough that when it's 30, 35 degrees, it's still cold. You feel it. Yeah. Well, we had a cold ride, not this past Saturday. It was the Saturday before. So it was right after I recorded with bacon. So we went down to Ennery again with uh, Alan and Sully and it was, Oh, there you go. That makes up for the opening. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the um, It was in the 30s that morning. I think by the time we got riding, it was 40-something, but it was quite quite chilly to start. So I was a little bundled up, even on the dirt bike, doing some off-road thrashing. Yeah. I know you're still envious that you don't have a place to ride dirt, so. I really am. Let's twist that a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do wish we had places around here where I could I could actually get like a KLR or something like that. But it's one of those things of I know people that have places to go or they go. Yeah. But it's all Jeep parks. Yeah. The, you don't you don't want to be mixed up with that. Yeah, it's all OHV, and the Jeeps are out there, and we've got the rednecks with paychecks where you can go out there and rip around, and it's just like, 
Okay, whatever. (laughs) So I could either buy a dirt bike and store it up there by your place and then have one to ride. I know you're, you're kind of like, yeah, you should definitely do that. Yeah. Yes, Here, get I'll a dirt bike you and need to. we'll, we'll hold it yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Those things, you know, they can't sit around too long. They have to be ridden. So yeah, well you, I would need you to ride it. Part of the maintenance plan. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely need you to ride that bike. Part yeah. of the storage of it. Yeah. I think you need probably a 20, 14 to 19 KX 250 F that'd be, that'd be enough. That would be put to good use. But yeah, that's we're looking at now is I think we talked a couple shows ago about our flipping project and we got to try and get something here soon. Cause I want to have a bike or two ready to sell into the spring season. So if you started looking in upstate PA, New York, New Jersey, that area. Oh Yeah. I know this is completely off topic, but there's actually a guy down here that does this. And it's not like the dude I bought my uh, Superhawk from. Yeah. This is his actual business. He owns a motorcycle dealership. And all the bikes that he sells are all older bikes, low mileage. And what he does is he makes arrangements and he buys bikes up there, northeast area. He's picking up like a 2008, you know, FLH or whatever. Yeah. And he's paying $1,500, $2,000 for it because, hey, guess what? This is the market. This is how much it's going for. I can show you how much it's going for. Turns around, brings it down here, changes the oil, changes the fluids, sells it for five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Yeah, that's what we're looking at because I, we might make a trip up there after Christmas to see family. So we'll be in Northeast PA anyway. So maybe take the trailer and pick up something while we're there. Or two. Or pick two. Up two. Got, Got two rails trailer. on the trailer. Yeah. Got two rails on the trailer. You could pick up two things. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. We got to find something because, like I said, I want to have, aside from prices 140 that's for sale and, and the R6 and Kenny's Vegas. I, I ex- fully expect when the spring hits that those will all go. So mm-hmm. we, we need a couple of projects to go on the heels of that. So we, you know, kind of keep things rolling. So as one sells, pick up something else. Hopefully make some money on it and keep the rinse and repeat going. That would be uh, one heck of a thing for you guys to do up there. Get him going. Oh yeah, he, I, he could fund his own habit. Yeah, once we once we sell one, and we, we've got to get one sold. That's kind of what he's waiting for. Is you know we've done a lot of wrenching, we've done a lot of repairing and research. He needs to get one sold to see that it's possible, and then it'll be all all over from there. Self sustaining. All right, man. Well, cold weather. Anything else on there? Or? Are you ready to pivot? Uh, we can we can kind of pivot, man. All right. I mean, there's not much more to say other than, you know, dress warm. Other than you That's, were you were a climb fanboy, and and maybe you still are, but you found some better options. I have found some better options, and I don't know if it's just 
I don't know what to say. I've just, I found better options. I'm sure John will give you some feedback. I'm sure he will. John will be sending me a text message the day after this drops. Hey, what the hell? <laughs> All right. Two quick reminders. Um, we've mentioned this before and we will mention this every show. And, and that is we work on the value for value exchange. Very simple concept. You know, we provide, we provide the show. You're free of charge. And if you get some value out of it, you can return that at uh, loudpipes.net slash donate. There's a simple little PayPal link there and you can send whatever your heart desires. There's also a place to send us some feedback. So loudpipes.net slash contact, simple web form, send us your thoughts, questions, ideas, comments, critiques, all that stuff. But more importantly, we would like to know if you're interested in trying out one of the risk kits for carrying on your person, you know, sort of immediate life-saving gear that would hold you over until you know more help arrives or you can get more help. That's the idea. Obviously bigger kits will be kept on your motorcycle, but if you're separated, you know, what are you going to keep on your person? And again, that's loudpipes.net slash contact or feedback at rdubstudios.com. All right, Boomer, as we said, too close for missiles, switching the guns. What do you got for us? So we were talking earlier about carrying when it gets cold like you know it's cold it's christmas you're not carrying a little lightweight you know five shot j frame right now Hmm. you're actually going for something a little bit bigger me personally my everyday carry doesn't change it get well i say that and yet it kind of (laughs) does well that there's a question and a topic in itself before you get too far okay So I understand the need or desire to potentially change the firearm as the weather changes, but from a training slash practice slash discipline aspect, why wouldn't you just find something that fits and carry it all the time? Just becomes easier to conceal it as the weather gets colder. That's, that's just my, this is education for me as I'm fairly new to this and, and learning. I'm a, I'm a student not a teacher. So yeah, yeah, I'm all ears. So let me start by saying my everyday carry for the most part doesn't change. It's a shadow systems XR 920 EPS dot, you know, 17 round magazine and a sesame seed bun on the side, you know, (laughs) a 23 round magazine to back it up. It's a 17 rounder with plus five base plate. Right. So that doesn't change, but you have Christmas parties you're going to. Yeah, it's great. You can carry a full size gun. You can go Glock 17 with the comp on it, a flight. And, you know, (laughs) you could even do a 32 round mag hanging out the back of it. And with a bulky jacket, nobody's going to miss it. Nobody's going to catch on, but right. You got Christmas parties to go to. So having that little, you know, while I said you're not carrying a five shot, you know, J frame around yeah. having one of those for the Christmas party might not be a bad idea to throw into a front pocket. Right. It's, I carry a bigger gun all the time. I can, it just makes it easier to do so. And maybe with Christmas, carry an extra mag or two. What are you carrying? 
Well, I'm still still training and, and learning, but the one I, that I have now is a P365XL. Well, it started life as a 380, and I think we've talked about that offline, and I put the Wilson Combat XL frame on it and then converted it to 9mm. Additionally, picked up the X Macro mags, which are 17 rounders. So have that, and it's just a small extension to the bottom of the XL frame, so it's not like the full X Macro grip where it fits flush, so it's a little bit out the bottom, but it has the sleeve, so it looks like it all fits. So that and another 17-rounder in appendix sidecar. That's the word. And you have no issues. And and you have no issues with that. I mean, even if you threw a t-shirt over it, you'd be good to go. The sidecar is taking a bit. So I started with the Enigma, the Filster mm-hmm. Enigma. And that's that's very comfortable. You can wear that under anything. No problems at all. The sidecar is taking some getting used to. The extra bulk, the extra mag. It's it's not so much the concealability, it's the comfort, because that's a lot going on in the front when you get all that See, I couldn't, in there. I couldn't ever get used to the sidecar. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's gonna be for me. Now the filster, I use the filster when I need to carry with a I use a either a 43, 43X or the CR920, and I actually carry that below my belt line. Yep. So I am just completely concealed, and that stays out of the way, and it's that's the, you know, you're not supposed to be carrying a firearm here. The, the P365 in 380, before I did all the conversions, with that Enigma holster, yeah, you could get it completely below the belt line to the point where you could raise your shirt up and you would still see nothing. I'm like, that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, that was the first thing that drew me to the enigma was being able to do that. And it, it yes. doesn't have to be jeans. It can be, you know, sweats. It can be joggers, shorts. It can, it can be a set of climb motorcycle. pants <laughs> If you're so inclined if you're so inclined <laughs> or inclined, maybe that's what we should inclined. say. There you go. But no, with the, with the cold weather, you can actually carry quite a bit of stuff on you. I've, I've found that over the years that if I wasn't completely happy with the, um, XR 920, which is the Glock 45 slash 19 X. Yeah. With all the bells and whistles. I could carry my, you know, 17, my comp 17 gun with the TLR one and nothing. Oh, let me put a sweatshirt over top of this. Oh, yeah. well, it's funny. You mentioned that I wanted to, I wanted to start doing some competitions. So I was supposed to do a training on Tuesday, which I didn't make it out for not a training, sorry, practice. And I've mm-hmm. got a T-Rex arms. I think it's called the Ragnarok holster. But it's got the Safari Land clip on it. You know what I'm talking about? The the quick release the system. Yeah, it's it. The ALS. So it's not it's not tidy. You know what I mean? Like it sticks out to the side. But I'm looking at that and I'm using a, a PSA dagger as the as the pistol. And I'm looking at that going, yeah, if I had a winter jacket on, I could carry this darn thing around. <laughs> like it's just this big, you know, thing on the side. 
for competitions. And I'm like, yeah, the cold weather, you just like anything goes practically. So one of the things that I used to keep during hurricane season in my vehicle was, do you remember the, uh, the raid jackets that the, uh, the police departments used to wear? Right. No, they're the blue or black. Oh, like a windbreaker. Yeah. With the yellow letters on the back with the yellow letters on the back, but they were real lightweight. They were super cheesy. They were super cheap. I used to keep one of those during hurricane season in my vehicle, one size bigger than what I would wear. And the reason why is because I could put whatever I wanted underneath it. I could be wearing a body armor. I could be wearing a plate carrier with uh you know something yeah hooked up to the front of it and just button up a windbreaker and kind of stoop forward a little bit and off you go <laughs> off you go and nobody's saying anything to you be safe out there yeah i can but certainly yeah, see that and i think you and i've talked about this before not on the show but i've also considered something like a a cz uh 75 or P75, I forget the model number, but double action, the single action. The SP01. For things like that, or not like that, but things like that for carrying without having to have all the holsters and safety protection, because you have that double action, you can throw a safety on, all that stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been looking at that seriously and getting one of those ordered. The problem is, is I've got... How many Glocks? <laughs> you're you're pretty much invested into that platform. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm I'm invested big time into that platform, and I don't see that changing because while Glocks are great, whoever came up with the Glock perfection really needs to be slapped. I mean, that was not it. You're just asking she, for trouble using that as a yeah. slogan. Yeah, especially when the first thing everybody does when they buy a Glock is they go and upgrade the sights and put a better trigger in it and texture the grip. And wow, your Glock is a Harley Davidson. Well, and then it's like, if it's perfection, why has there been five generations? You know, that's the other joke. It's like, it's funny. Yeah, whereas with, shadow systems the grip's already textured it's got the different angles you can get on it it's got you know the upgraded sights already and it's cut for yeah it's cut for a red dot that you don't have to replace the sights it uses the factory sights that they put in it because they cut it low enough yeah well and to be fair you know if i if i can take the counterpoint to be fair fair, You are paying a little extra for the shadow systems, are you not? Uh, yeah, about $150 more. Maybe $200. Okay, maybe a little more than that. But I'm yeah, like, they're, okay. they're, they're under 1000 Like order of magnitude, you're talking five $600 versus nearly 1000 Right? To be yeah. fair. <laughs> to be fair. So I... I guess it's it's kind of the same. You can you can buy the stock part and do all the trimmings yourself, or you can have a turnkey. Yeah, and that was I I did that experiment several years ago when I built the Glocks. You know, I built a Glock twenty six. I built a Glock nineteen. I built another Glock twenty six. I built a Glock seventeen, and 
Well, I think you're overlooking I, a part that you can't change, though. What's that? That's the grip angle. Shadow Systems is more like 1911, is it not? No, Shadow Systems comes with two different, uh, actually three different grip inserts that you pop a pin out and you can change the grip angle. You can go with a traditional Glock. You can go with a gotcha. 1911. You can go with a thicker, like an H&K grip. Okay, so not that it has to be a 1911 grip angle. You, it's flexible. That, that's yes. kind of what I was getting at. Is That's the one of the main complaints I've heard is not everyone likes the Glock grip angle, so they would gravitate to Shadow Systems anyway if you preferred that because you can't, unless you get a different frame, you can't change that at all. Correct. And that's the serialized part on a Glock, so that's a, mm-hmm. that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. um, you can buy a, I know this didn't mean to be Glock talk, it meant to be, you know, what are you carrying, how you can carry, you know, with, when it's you cold. Know, yeah. carry, carry more of a gun when it's cold, but uh, Grey Ghost Gear, uh, is it Grey Ghost Gear? Or Grey Ghost uh, no, I can't remember the name of the company. I'll have to look it up. But they uh, they sell a Gen 3 Glock frame that's already got a 1911 grip angle. Yeah. but the, I know because I have one. But the challenge there, like you know, we've already said, is that's the serialized part that transfers through FFL, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Versus a company like Six Hour where... The P365 now and started with their 320 is it's got that fire control unit. So you can pop that out and put it in any frame that you want. Well, within reason, you know, you SIG was brilliant when they did a fire control unit. Absolutely brilliant. That's pretty cool. And having gone through the conversion on on mine, it's it's neat to see. And now you have all the parts. I mean, the between the 380 and the nine millimeter. The magazines are the same, except the 380 has a little shim, I'll call it, on the backside because the, the case is not as long as 9mm. But the diameter is the same, and people actually use the 9mm magazines in the 380. Like They still function just fine. Mm-hmm. You can't go the other way, obviously, but you can certainly run you know, in a pinch. You could load up your 9mm magazine with 380, and you could still cycle it. And it all, you know, it all works just fine. But yeah, that was one of the coolest things is just, you just push one pin out, pop out the fire control unit, put it in that, in my case, the Wilson Combat XL frame. So now it went from a standard 365 to an XL, longer, you know, the longer grip. And then I ordered the nine millimeter slide and barrel. Mm-hmm. Boom. Now we've got a nine millimeter. And I didn't have to transfer anything through FFL. It was all shipped at house. Exactly. Which is what makes. So there are certain countries and I got to hope the United States doesn't. I hope we don't get to this point where you can only own one firearm. Right. Well, if you can only own one firearm, the idea of a fire control unit. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant because now you can go 38 super, you can go nine millimeter, you can go, you know, 380, you can go 
whatever caliber you want, 40, 45. Uh, some of those countries have regulations that say you can't shoot the same caliber as the military, which is where you end up with the, uh, instead of the nine by 19, you end up with the nine by 21 and the nine by 23, which is like the nine millimeter Largo and the nine mil super. Yeah. Because guess what? You military uses the Luger. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. They use military uses nine by 19. Well, you but can yeah, go that, 30 super carry now. <laughs> it's super. <I'm> kidding. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, I hope that takes off. I really want, I want SIG to do a caliber conversion kit in 30 super carry. And I'll buy one as soon as they do. Cause I just think it'll be cool to have. I like the idea of the super carry. The problem is they did the super carry before. Right. And it was called the 7.62 by 25. And who's using that nowadays? Nobody. But Russia was the one who designed the 7.62 by 25. Uh If you do the math on the 30 super carry, it's essentially a 7.62 by 25. Mm. Granted, it's a hell of a round on a pistol, but it's not double stacked. It's not anything. It's, you know, it's a little bit bigger than the, uh, Colt, uh, hammerless. Well, you get slightly more capacity than nine millimeter, but it's not, you know, it's one to two rounds depending on the capacity of the original magazine. So, I did this mental exercise with the five, seven by 28, mm. which I, like that. I, yeah, I really like the idea of the five, seven by 28. My go-to carry gun was an FN five, seven, 21 rounds on me. I carried a spare magazine, just one because it's 20 rounds. You don't need another one. Right. And I mean, 25 yard headshot piece of cake with open sights. It didn't need a red dot. It didn't need anything. It was a shielded hammered, you know, rifle round and a pistol that flat shooting trajectory. It was a great gun. The problem was that the ammunition cost was so much. It was difficult to train with. It got to a point where it was like, what was it? $3 around three fifty around. Well, when I got into it, it wasn't that high. And now it's, about 50 cents if you get into yeah, it's, the training stuff. Yeah, it's come down considerably, and there's a lot more offerings. But I still have that whole thing of. Yeah, if it, if you're at, I mean, you're at like hunting rifle price per round. To, to train with a handgun that has 21 rounds and you can pop them off quickly. You know, this is not like cycling 308 through your bolt gun. You know, when you're training with five seven handgun, those twenty one yeah. are gone pretty quickly. And you're thinking, yeah. there's twenty two dollars. I'll lay it on the ground. Yeah, you're you're running through ammo like there's no tomorrow. You're you know, if you run a five string, you know, just run a five string volley at yeah. ten yards into a dome. Into a pie plate, sorry. 
for our politically correct. If you're if you're shooting pie plates, and you know you're put five rounds, and then you come up and put another five rounds, and you're doing ready up drills of five rounds into a head. Yeah, every that, every round is five bucks. Yeah, that that tends to get very expensive. It's like drinking at a high end bar. It's like you will get drunk eventually, but it's going to cost you. Yeah, I like the five seven though. It's it's neat, and I I just learned recently that uh, we the people holsters they make a holster for it. Well, yeah, I had for it. Sorry, the the PSA Rock, Palmetto mm-hmm. State Armory Rock five seven. They they make a holster for it. I know FN probably a lot of people make it for that. And what's the other one? Is it Smith and Wesson has the has a five seven as well? No, Ruger has one. Ruger has one. Smith and Wesson has one. PSA has one that they say they've discontinued, but I guarantee you they'll keep making them. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, supposedly, Tesis has one coming. Uh, the one from PSA is fantastic. But yeah, and maybe a holster for it soon. So I don't know. Five, seven. I'd like to see the price keep coming down on that. I don't have a carbine for it. I would like to get one, but the thought of using even more rounds than you do in a pistol on something that's expensive is not really appealing. I think I'd rather get a, a carbine in, in nine millimeter cheaper to use. Plus you can reload it pretty easily. Yeah. I really, if I had it to do over again, I probably wouldn't have bought my PS 90 just because of the cost of ammunition. Yeah, but it's not like you lost money getting rid of it. No, I I probably won't get rid of it. I'll just keep it. Oh, you still have that one. I was thinking you sold that one. No, no, no. I got rid of the FN 5.7. Ah, you got rid of the handgun. Okay. Yeah, I kept the PS90 because it's a Form 1 SBR. Yeah. yeah too much of a hassle to get rid of. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That's a topic for another day. SBRs, first pistols, the whole brace issue. I don't know. We can touch on it real quick. Where do you stand on that? Pistols with a brace? Is that cool? Is it just an SBR? Do you care? I I think (laughs) the whole NFA thing is unlawful and should be disbanded. And it was nothing more. I mean, we can go into it, but as far as I'm concerned, the NFA was nothing more than a it was a gun grab and it was designed to be a gun grab. The $200 tax stamp was designed to break people in order to get anything that was then placed on the NFA. Handguns were supposed to be put on it. The only reason they didn't end up on it is somebody went, well, that's too far. You can't do that. Everything was supposed to be on the NFA. Uh, And from what I understand, they would love to, change the price of that too because nowadays while $200 is a lot if you're buying something for $1500 you know what's what's 200 bucks on top of it it's like tax right so. it, yeah the the hardest part now with the NFA is the 9 month wait yeah the paperwork or 10 month it's not even the paperwork you want me to do some paperwork I'll do some paperwork Here's my two hundred and here's my two hundred bucks. 
let me have my suppressor. Yeah, the, that I don't understand. So that, and this is all the suppressor stuff's fairly new to me. Why in heck is that a controlled item? It's it's a tube with some baffles in it. Like, uh-huh. come on, like, wh- why is this Hollywood. a regulated item? Hollywood. And I'm sorry, suppressors are not quiet. If anyone has ever been around someone shooting with a suppressor, especially on a rifle, no one is going to say that is quiet, okay? Like, let's just be clear. You're not going to go blasting that thing off somewhere and have no one hear it. That's not happening. The only ones that are that quiet are like the 22s, which are fantastic. They are. I have one. Same. And they're a lot of fun. Like those are Hollywood quiet. I get it, but it's a 22. Like your nine millimeter is not that quiet. Your 45 is not that quiet. They are quieter, but I don't know. That's for another day. Sorry. I didn't mean to. (laughs) Just a toe in the water there. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones we get started on that whole thing with the NFA. It's a, it's a long drawn out thing that it's it's ridiculous i'm gonna have to pay two i don't mind the 200 dollars. you want to pay a 200 registration fee on a suppressor i have a problem with it but i do it i would really just like to be able to pay the 200 bucks and then take home my suppressor yeah the nine months of jail time is ridiculous it's it's not again the nfa is unlawful and illegal but it is what it is Think about it from a business perspective, though. Like, you're asking people to buy something that they can't touch for nine months. What if I don't like it? <laughs> right? Uh huh. You paid X hundreds of dollars for the item. You paid your two hundred dollar tax stamp. You waited nine months, and it's rubbish. Now what? That's customer service. I don't have the stomach for. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could you imagine being on the other end of that phone call? Yeah, it's not only the other end of that, but it's that whole thing of, here's what we want you to do. You're going to go in here. You're going to do your fingerprints. Right. You're going to take a mug shot. Yep. You're going to fill out this paperwork. You're going to send $200 on top of the tax and the price of the item. Yep. They're going to turn around and take it and put it in their safe. Oh, okay. So I can get it in a couple of days. No. Mm -mm. Now you're going to come back in 10 months and pick your item up. Oh, by the way, when you get there, you're going to fill out another 4473. Oh, yes. Yeah. Let's go through that again. Let's do that one more time. Then you get to take home your suppressor. But I've got a concealed carry permit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Even if you have an FFL, you still got to wait. Like, none of that's going to speed it up. Yeah, the, um, I I think the only way around that is with an SOT. If you, if you were a dealer with the right license, you could probably get them into your possession quicker. I don't I don't know. I don't know how that works. That's something I want to explore, though. Another day. All the tiers of licensing. I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah. I, at one time, I wanted to get an FFL, 
And then I looked further into it and went, F that. No, I don't. Unannounced visits whenever they want. No, thanks. It's kind of like yeah, it's- the beer world is similar when you start digging into the licensing of, okay, you can sell beer. That's one license. You can produce beer. That's another one. Oh, you want to sell beer you've produced? That's another license. It's like, holy cow. <laughs> Oh, you have hard liquor on the property? That's a different license. And wine is also not beer, so that's another license. That's, yeah. That's another world where it's just nutty. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Let's see. Time check. I know we said an hour and a half. Eh, yeah. We're at 113. It's not bad. Yeah, not too bad. So cold so, uh, weather carry, anything else to add there or? Eh, it just, with the advent of that, it lets you carry a bigger gun or maybe two guns. Or not have to worry so much about your concealability. Certainly and, until and you take your outer gear off. Yeah, maybe that's just it. I live in Texas, so it's not like I really give a rat's ass right. about me, you know, printing or anything like that. I don't know what they are. We should go into that one day is what the laws are up there with you. Because down here, I guarantee you, I could probably carry a Glock 18 and get away with it. Well, North Carolina has open carry as well, which is obviously a whole different ball game. But I mean, you can get a concealed carry permit, of course, but you can just open carry. That's a thing. with Without a permit. Now, is it like Massachusetts where they have open carry, but if you do, you're going to get somebody paying you a visit and they're going to want to know why. Yeah, let's, we'll, uh, we can do a show on that. I'll, I'll dig up all the specs for my state and you can do the same for Texas. I'll throw in South Carolina cause we're right on the border, which as a yeah. concealed carrier, that's something you have to be mindful of is, you know, we're zipping in and out of the. South Carolina border quite often and sometimes without really paying attention. You know, you're just doing your normal normal runs and then you don't realize like, oh, I'm in South Carolina. So they have reciprocity, but their their transport rules are slightly different. Let's see, that's that's what bothers me about going cross country with John is you know, I leave the house, I'm leaving the house with a clock. Oh, wait, I'm going into California. Yeah, not with your mags, you're not. Do I really want to carry that over there? Well, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, we'll have to cover that in detail. Like, because with California, they have a whole gun registry and everything. Like, could you even have an XR920 in California? Yeah, I don't, right? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if that's even allowable. Uh, that might be one of those ones where... I stick a J frame in a pocket and you know, as, as much as we joke about the old five shot, you know, right. It's better than no shot. It's better than, you know, harsh language. <laughs> and it's one of those, okay, I'm dumping this. All right. I just had to check this out real quick. North Carolina is a traditional open carry state. You may open carry and motor vehicle. However, localities may regulate carrying with firearm in circum circumstances. So I, I don't know that I would 
just me personally, I'm not an open carry fan unless you're in an environment where it is expected, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I.e. wilderness, some sort of event. I don't know. If you're uniformed police or something, I get it. The idea of someone just roaming around open carry, I don't know. That's I'm fully in support of your right to do so. I just think the societal temperature makes that unwise. That's all. That's where I'm at. Email me if you want to. <laughs> well, and we would love it if someone did. I, I'm curious to know who's still listening out there. And if you're, if you're a longtime listener of the show or you're new, just a couple people, if you could, just hit us on the contact link. I'd appreciate it. Here's the thing I love about the open carry guys and the ones that wear the big T-shirts that say shall not be infringed. And while I agree with their sentiment, I kind of sit back and I go, tell you what, dude, you draw fire and then I'm going to move up on his side laterally and I'm going to put one through his temple. Yeah. It's because that's about what you're asking for is you're asking to drop fire. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, you're the first one to go. I get told that I am a snob when it comes to firearms and when it comes to holsters. There was a guy in Walmart. Uh, the wife and I were in there and I looked Pat, I looked at this dude and he was carrying three Taurus nine millimeters in the uncle Mike nylon oh, flip flop holsters. He had one on the left side. He had one on the right. And he had one, you know, almost cowboy quick draw kind of thing on both hips. And then he had one in the front. And they were the, all three the same gun. They were the Taurus Compact 9mm, 13 rounds. And he's walking around in his jeans and his T-shirt tucked in that said, you know, something about the second. Yeah. You know, just drawing all kinds of attention to himself. And I just kind of went, okay. I just pat my Glock that's right there in the front underneath a t-shirt and just kept right on walking and just kind of shook my head and laughed a little bit. Yeah. Like you said, totally agree that that's their right to do it and maybe even applaud them a little bit for doing it. But from a tactical situation, that's not me. No, Just, just good tactics. Say you don't, you don't be that guy. No, I mean, okay, so you're normalizing, and we can get into this. Dude, we could spend 30, 40 minutes talking about this, that, you know, uh, the the gay community, and I know this is going to be a hot button for somebody, so please send your hate mail directly to us, and we'll, hey, we might even have you on here so we can talk about this, but the gay community... It's normalized to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, it is germane to the conversation. The gay community normalized being gay. Right. And they did disagree. Agree. It doesn't matter. I personally don't give a rat's ass what you do behind closed doors. That's your business. Y'all want to hold hands. That's your business. I'm going to hold my wife's hand. I'm going to give my wife a kiss on the cheek or whatever. We're not going to throw down in public, but that's just you know, the way things are, but you get my point with this. Yeah. They normalized it. 
it became such a thing that it just everybody kind of went eh. It's like okay, is what it is. I think it is what it is. I think open carry is very similar. Where if you saw it more often, it wouldn't be so startling. Maybe is the right word or surprising. Like like oh, dudes, you know, dudes got like three Taurus G threes and a you know in a soft sided holster. <laughs> so. What you don't know, Rich, is that overseas in different countries, they look at rifles the way we look at handguns. Okay? Everybody's got a rifle. Yeah. You see a dude walking down the street, he's got a rifle on his shoulder. You're like, nobody raises an eyebrow. It's like, yeah, what up, Bob? How you doing? Nobody really gives a rat's ass. You got an AK slung over his shoulder. Okay, that's probably just a sheep herder on his way somewhere. Nobody cares. Right. You pull a pistol. You got your, you got people's attention overseas because Mm -hmm. the only time you pull a pistol is to put a bullet in someone's brain. That's an executioner's tool. Uh Uh-huh. Versus here, like versus here, good guys carry a pistol and bad guys carry the rifles. Exactly. Which, you know, if you're ever in one of those situations, don't pick up the bad guy's rifle. That's a good way to get shot. Don't touch it. But yeah, it's it's the difference in different societies and how different peoples look at things and everything else. Yeah. So yeah, I think your your comment on normalizing is is spot on. It's just it's not seen enough that to me it's a wise choice. Now maybe I should join them and help with the normalization, but I don't know. At this point in my life, I'm not I'm not signing up for that. That's why. I went the concealed route. So that's where I'm at. Fun. Whole nother topic. Yeah. A whole nother one that we can get on this and then just completely. Yeah, we can do that. We'll pick, uh, I'll pick North Carolina, South Carolina. You can do Texas. What's closest to you? Oklahoma, maybe. Yeah. Oklahoma's Oklahoma. I swear to God, Oklahoma doesn't have gun laws. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, like, completely. <laughs> the sad part is Oklahoma went open carry before Texas, and Oklahoma went permitless carry before Texas. Wow. Yeah, but they also have recreational weed up there, so. Right. It is what it is. That's another thing I think needs to be decriminalized. Yeah. That's a topic unto itself. So, all right, sir. Well, thank you for revisiting the med kit. We're going to have a lot more to talk about with that, especially as we try some things. Keep, uh, keep riding in the colder weather. Just layer up appropriately. Get some good gear, whether it be climb or something else. And what was my third one? Oh, carrying in cold weather. While you have your good climb gear on. Mm-hmm. Maybe make sure you have a full-size fighting pistol with you and not the micro. Yeah, pretty much. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Do we still go kickstands up or is it like gun and holster? Because after the pivot, it's we're not really on bikes anymore. No, I, I don't know. I mean, grab your stuff. And, you Locked know. and loaded, kickstands up. How about that? Yeah, I like it. I actually do like it. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Yep. You too. Merry Christmas. 
Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate. <laughs>